Our analyst interview series rolls on today as I'm joined by Alex Barutha from RotoWire. Let's go balls deep. Welcome to another episode of the Balls Deep Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Fantasy Basketball International. FBIBasketball.com is our website. At AdamKing91 on Twitter is where you can find me. As I said, we're just rolling through our interview series uh, in the in the off season today. I'm joined by someone I've actually met, which is not very common on the shows. Alex Barutha. Alex, how are you, man? I'm doing well. We were just talking before the show. Normally, I have a lot of Milwaukee Bucks basketball to be watching at this time of the year as a Bucks fan, and suddenly I have a lot of free time. Yeah, not much going on in, in Milwaukee there at the moment, other than, well, I, I mean, along with many teams, a bit of a coaching merry-go-round at the moment. Um, Doc, I mean, we're recording this. It'll be recorded. It'll be released much later, but Doc Rivers was fired earlier today, which I think came as no surprise to anyone, really. Um given what we've seen over the last two weeks. Um, not, I mean, this isn't specifically a fantasy basketball podcast, but what's your take on all these coaches sort of getting the heave-ho despite having won a championship in the past few years uh, or, or having had success? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't uh, I wasn't surprised at all by the Bugenholzer thing. I think the championship saved his job. I've been, mm. yeah, as a Bucks fan, I've been off Bugenholzer for a while. Um, so that didn't surprise me, and I... I'd like that they fired him. Uh, Monty Williams to me was a little bit more surprising, I'll have to say. But I think like in general, like you're kind of saying, a lot of these teams, like they're incredibly talented teams, you know, like just player down the roster. So when when they underperform, it just like if it's going to fall on somebody's head, a lot of times it's the coaching. And there's some stuff we'll never be able to know. Did they lose the locker room? Um, things like that. To some extent, we'll never know that stuff. But um there's always got to be a fall guy, it seems like. Yeah. And now in the modern NBA, it's, it's just going to be the coach. Yeah, and I think we saw – I'm sure you and Nick have discussed this on your show, but um, watching the Bucks, they're, they're, Budenholz's inability to just like sort of go with the flow of the game and make changes based on what's happening on the court, he, he was never able to do that, I don't think. And if you look at a team like Miami, who no one thought would get anywhere in the playoffs um, – Spo has shown why he's such a good coach. He's able to adapt on the fly. Yeah, I mean that's. I think that's what makes Spo so great. It's partially why I want Nick Nurse as the Bucks' next coach. It's funny because him and Bugenholzer are like the exact opposite. Bugenholzer yeah. has his system. It's rigid. He never changes. He has ultimate belief in it. Nick Nurse will micromanage every possession, every quarter of every game. Um, and I feel like after so many years of Bud, I would rather it be the other way. Yeah, and there's. I mean, there's. Yeah, Nick Nurse is one. There's obviously a ton of coaches that have been mm-hmm. fired, and it feels like they're all just sort of going to shift teams, really. Like, they're all going to end up with a job. Um, whether they're waiting... The only team, I guess, that isn't like you've got the Sixers, you've got the Bucks, you've got the Suns, you've got the Raptors, all all fairly high-profile, successful teams. Then you've got the Pistons, who haven't yet signed a coach or, or named a new coach. Do you think, and I mean, a question we talk about later is Victor Wembanyama, and that's pretty relevant today because the lottery's on. So we're going to know 
in theory, where he's going. Um, do you think any of these coaches would be waiting just to see if Wembenyama, if Pistons get the number one pick, would he be enticing enough for one of these guys to go and rebuild a team rather than take on a successful team? I, I think it would be. I really do. Um, I think Wembenyama is going to be very, very good. And the Pistons, I mean, they have Cade Cunningham, you know, yep. who I think it's a bit up and down how his career has started, but I would also argue I don't think Dwayne Casey was the right coach for that. The teammates around him, not very good, not a lot of structure. So I think if you're a, if you're a head coach and you have an opportunity to come in with a team that's got Wembenyama, that's got Cade Cunningham, and maybe, you know, at that point, if you're the, the general manager of the Pistons, you go, we got those two guys. We might be able to sign some guys in free agency now mm. and make a little bit of a push. And that could convince, you know, a top level head coach to, to come in. Yeah, that's right. And, and I mean, Pistons got a couple of good rookies this season, just mm -hmm. gone as well, um, who performed pretty well. So it's not all doom and gloom. I, I was sort of. I mean, we're sort of shuffling around a bit here, but might as well talk about women Yama while while we're sort sure. of on the topic. So looking ahead in terms of fantasy, um, we are going to know where he's going, but I don't think that makes a huge difference as to where we draft him in fantasy next year. Where are you based at the moment? It's still very early, but where are you sort of looking at hoping to be able to get him in drafts? And then where do you think his ADP falls? I So it's, it's interesting because rookies almost always get drafted too early. Almost always, because um, people are excited to have them, whatever reason. Everybody wants to call their shot, right? I want, I want this rookie because I think he's going to be this good. Yeah. Um, when you, when Benyama, I would love to get him in. I think the third round. I would, I would love to get him there. I think he'll probably go in the second round. To be honest with you, because I think people are going to, and we're going, we're all going to write about this. But to me, it's like bare minimum. I think he has defensive player of the year upside, like year one. Like, I think he could average two and a half, three blocks, maybe a steal, steal and a half. Just the length is crazy. And yeah. if you're doing that from a fantasy basketball perspective, your ceiling is, or excuse me, your floor is so high already. Like, we've seen guys like Walker Kessler, for example, when he finally started, just the blocks and rebounds alone were vaulting him way, way up the, the fantasy yeah. basketball ranking. So you add in, like, even if he averaged 15 points a game, nine rebounds, efficient shooting, a couple threes, few assists, like, pretty pedestrian numbers he could still end up being very much worth like a fourth round pick with those relatively minimal numbers. Yeah. I think, I mean, we've done a few comparisons on, on other shows and, and I look back cause I remember I had Carl Anthony Towns in his rookie mm, season. Yeah. Um, and he was sort of a, I think he was 18 and eight with like one and a half threes or, or no, not even that. I think maybe he was under a three, but he had 1.8 blocks, which I think was almost his career high. Yeah. Um, but to assist, like it was nothing huge. And he was a top 25, top 30 player, something like that in his rookie season. So, I mean, there's nothing there that, that I don't think Wembenyama can do. Right. I just, I just pulled this up. You were right. So he averaged 18, 10, two assists, 1.7 blocks, 54, 54% from the field. Um, only hit half a three per game yeah. his rookie year. Ranked 18th and eight cap per game. So... Mm. I think, yeah. I mean, if you're thinking Wembenyama offensively can be that, which would not be surprising, um, you know, maybe a little more three-point tilted, not as much field goal percentage guy, but – and then yeah. you start adding up, yeah, two blocks. I mean, people are going to draft him second round, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and most of the same, I think, like, I'd love to be able to get him around pick 
35, something 30, 35, but I think he's going to go in the in the teens, early 20s. Um, and, I mean, some people are going to reach into the first round, let's be honest. Just, Probably. As you said, just to get him and say, hey, I've got him on my team. So we'll see. Uh, we'll know tonight where, he, where he's going to go. Have you got a preferred landing spot for him? So I... Yeah, I get we we talk about this a lot, like on the podcast and everything. Yeah. I actually kind of like it's so they don't deserve to get him, but I would love to see him in Charlotte because I think him and LaMelo would be like must see TV. I think I, I don't know if they'd be good, but I think it would be ridiculously entertaining. And, you know, they could they could resign Miles Bridges. That's a whole different thing. But they were good when they had him. And Again, you get Wembenyama, maybe you get free agent. They got Rozier, they got Hayward, obviously never healthy, but whatever. Um, they could be very good right out of the gate and super fun. They could actually, yeah. I, I, they're probably, probably them. Orlando, I wouldn't mind seeing him in Orlando as well, but mm-hmm. obviously yeah. they're not they're not two of the top teams, but the percentages aren't that different. And yeah, look, Miles Bridges, I mean, obviously what he did, we, we don't need to go into all of that. No one agrees with it. No, probably don't agree that he should be playing again, but he probably will play again. And he was good. And Celtics were, were much better with him on the floor. Both um, him and Lamelo had a really good chem- had really good chemistry yeah. on the floor. We saw that. Um, and they've now got um, Mark Williams as well in there. And um, so I agree. I think Hornets would be a lot of fun. So on to what we actually... I meant to be talking about on the show, um, which is which is away from the fantasy basketball court. So, so for you uh, working for RotoWire, I know you've been there for, for quite a while now. Um, I think I first got in with RotoWire. I don't know, it was like six years ago or something, and and you were there then. So you've been there longer than that. Um, what? So I guess for you ha- was moving into journalism, sports journalism, whatever. It is, was that always the plan or was this something you fell into sort of via another path? So I, I didn't start that much later than you. I actually, I started at Rotowire in 2016 uh, as an yeah. intern. So you and I about the same time. Uh, sports, journal, sports journalism wasn't necessarily the plan. I was a communications major, uh, which is very vague and could like, you can just go into a lot of different stuff. Um, so, but I, I was in a sports um, a sports media class. I actually wrote one of my papers on the NBA lockout um, like mixtapes that people were creating yeah. on YouTube. Uh, so I was obviously interested in that. And then uh, there was a, a seminar for like sports media careers, and I was like, "Well, I got nothing better to do, so I'll just I'll pop in, see what careers are." I'm a, I'm about to graduate. Like it's my last semester, so it's like, well, I have you know I have nothing to yeah. do immediately after this class. Might as well pop in. And uh, Rotowire was there. Um, okay. And they said, you know, we're we're looking for basketball interns. Provide us a writing sample. I wrote, I just wrote a Milwaukee Bucks season preview. Turned it in. They're like, we like it. I started as an intern and just, I've just been working there since. Yeah. And, and so your, um, so I know your role from when I first met you, which was four years ago to now your role has changed slightly. So you're now... NBA editor, aren't you? So you, you're sort of you're overseeing the NBA. So is that that's from both a fantasy and a reality sort of standpoint? Yeah. So it's a chief NBA editor. I wrote a wire. Um, so 
for me, it's a lot more, uh, I'm in basically a managerial role. And yeah. in addition to, I mean, a lot of content creation and a lot of editing, um, you know, like I email you when I need, you know, if I'm like, uh, I need outlooks written and stuff like that. Like I'm the guy who emails that. Um, and yeah, so for me, um, it's a lot of, again, it's a lot of top level stuff, like editing notes, uh, for player news updates. Um, and I, I, you know, assign a lot of the content and I do media and podcasts and all, all that different stuff. Um, and that can be fantasy focused, gambling focused, the podcast gets a little more. We don't talk as much fantasy as we probably should on uh, most episodes of the podcast, but yeah. Oh, look, I mean, anyone who's into fantasy can take any podcast really and translate it into fantasy just based mm -hmm. on, on what people are talking about. And, and you, so you and Nick obviously run or, or do that, that show a couple of times a week. And then you, sadly, we can't get it here, but you do an NBA show on serious XM or, or whatever that's called. We can't get that here, which I'm really annoyed <laughs> with, but, <laughs> but um, that's, a, that's something you do pretty regularly, isn't it? Nightly almost. Yeah, so we got a deal with the uh, NBA XM channel. Uh, so the official NBA channel, they wanted Nick and I to do a half-hour betting show. So before the game starts, so like 7 to 7.30 Eastern time, uh, like a betting preview for the games. It was a weird time to start. We started during the last week. We started during tanking week. So I was we were trying to give out picks for like, you know, oh, I like, uh, you know, uh, Theo Maladon over seven and a half assists. Lock it in, you know. Yeah, yeah. But now that we're in the playoffs, it's a little easier. But, yeah, we're, we're doing that now. Yeah, yeah. So so I've had a bit of a mix, like, with people that I've spoken to. Some, the the basketball thing is a full-time job, which it is for you. And then others, it's a – and, for, like, for myself, it's a it's a hobby that's sort of just gone a bit too far and, and we have day jobs. So – I guess for me, basketball, doing my fantasy stuff is a bit of a a, um, a break or, or, or a, yeah. a, an escape from from my day job. Whereas for you, it it is your day job. So when you're not doing fantasy, that sort of thing, what what are the sort of things? So like TV, other sport, traveling. What sort of things are you and your whoever you share your life with? Um, <laughs> what are the sort of things that you enjoy doing? Yeah, that's that's a good point you bring up because there are those days where, you know, I work eight, nine hours. And then if I if I were to commit to that life of like working eight, nine hours and then watching all the games all the time, I would have no life. Like I would just be watching basketball all the time. And to an extent, like I do love doing that, but I, I can still catch up on games later. Stuff mm -hmm. like League Pass, you can go back and watch anyway. But yeah, I, I enjoy um I still a hobby I can't break because I love playing video games. Um, uh, there's I I like a lot of single player games. I don't know how much you play video games. For people listening, like I like a lot of the like Red Dead Redemption, Elder Scrolls type games. I also play a lot of Rocket League, which is like a competitive sort of esport yeah. um, to kind of fuel like my competitive. Uh, you know, when I'm not actually playing real basketball, I enjoy playing real basketball. Uh, I play every Monday with guys from Rotowire. It's like half Rotowire, half non-Rotowire guys. Um, do a lot of that. Um, TV, movies, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't play a lot of games, and I think I mean I know of a lot of games, but I don't play a lot. And I think because I have my my job where I work nine hours a day or whatever it might be, but then I do come home and watch all the basketball. So. Right. 
during sort of from now moving forward, I actually do get a bit more free time to sit down and because and my son likes playing video games, so I'll, I'll sit and, and play with him. Um, I don't agree with – well, I don't like all the games that he plays, but he's sure. starting to get into Mario Kart, and I, I like okay. Mario Kart. So, yeah, But he, he's not into like those games like you said yet, those first-person sort of shooter games, those sorts of things. He's more into um, a lot of Pokemon stuff and Minecraft sure. and, and things like that. Um, and, and so movies, I mean, I love movies. I love TV, anything like it would, if, if someone said, what's your favorite movie? I mean, I can't answer that question for myself, but a, a few favorite movies or favorite TV shows. Yeah. Favorite TV shows. Well, I'll say I, I really enjoyed the Sopranos. I am, uh, rewatching the wire, uh, currently I'd, I'd seen it before and some comedies as well. You know, I enjoy the office, uh, very classic show for for a lot of people. Movies right now, uh, my girlfriend and I we we both love eighties action movies. So uh, we we watched Terminator, we watched Face Off, which I Face Off to me was unbelievably uh, yeah. like amazing, like a ridiculous premise, a ridiculous movie. So stuff like that um, as well. We've kind of been on like an eighties movie kick. Uh, so yeah, that's that kind of stuff lately. And there are plenty of good eighties movies too. God, yes. I could could do a whole podcast just on that i think um and the face-off sequel is being uh, if it's being made at the moment but it's close to starting i think yeah um, i uh i always worry about trying to recapture the magic of the original but uh yeah who knows? it's at least it's got the original actors like it's the same people so that that helps um yeah no yeah 80s i think i could i could rattle off about 180s movies <laughs> as well um and TV shows very similar. Uh, so, traveling wise, is that something that you and your your partner enjoy doing? Like, do you do you get much time to travel? And if so, any favorite locations? Yeah, the best. I mean, the best time for me to travel is during the off season. So, like right now, and in yep. in the northern hemisphere, it's summer here. So, having a summer NBA off season, I can use my vacation days. It's not a big deal. I'm not having to answer emails like urgent in like December about playing time not being correct and in, in the database and all that stuff um i actually just got back from washington dc like two days ago with my girlfriend i was there we were there for four days she had a work conference i joined her later when the conference was over um that was a lot of fun seeing all the like historical united states stuff like I, i'm not even a huge history guy seeing the washington monument lincoln memorial all the art museums national zoo that was amazing weather was perfect um other than that uh i've been overseas once i was in barcelona in 2018 um i had a buddy over there who was going to school so i didn't have to pay for a hotel room or anything i just crashed with him um that was amazing i i love that kind of weather i love the beach love spanish food um haven't had the opportunity to go anywhere else um outside of the united states but i really want to every time i've traveled i've really enjoyed it um, but hopefully, hopefully getting out, uh, sometime this summer for another trip. Yeah. I, and I think for me, like, and I don't know whether Americans think the same way about Australians, but I always think like when I talk to anyone in America, oh, you've probably just been to most places in America. Like you've been here, you've been, I don't think that is the case. I think it's just a, for me, it's, I, I just assume if you live anywhere, you've been, you've been to LA, you've been to Boston, you've been to New York, you've been to Miami, all the, but they're, they're quite a like a, a big distance away. Like it's not, America's not a small place, much like Australia. Um, 
and so like when you said you you'd just been to Washington you went and visited all these like landmarks that sort of thing had you been there before or was this the first time it was actually my first time farther east than like Lake Michigan for people who know the United States well yeah um and it wasn't too far it ended up being like I think three hours on the plane almost uh it was a double you know two flights but yeah. yeah so to get from Wisconsin which is the Midwest to Las Vegas uh those flights are usually three hours yeah. uh three three and a half hours I mean yeah like you mentioned it's a it's a big country and some of it depends on you know where you live as well like being in the Midwest it's just like to go anywhere fun, I have to go to the other side of the country, to be honest with you. Like there is yeah. nothing in the Midwest besides farms. Um, so like that's a good So the Midwest but... is not fun. Well, <laughs> no, no, it's not. Like it's it's there's a reason nobody wants to play basketball in Milwaukee. Like impossible to get free agents. It's just not it's not LA, yeah. it's not Chicago, it's not Miami. Like those places are all way fun. Um, Chicago, I love I love Chicago, I love Milwaukee. Um, but it's just you got to really go pretty far. And if you're talking a car ride, I mean, it would take me, I don't even know how many hours, like 28 hours to get to California or something crazy like that. So it's, yeah. it's, it's not easy to travel. No, no. I think from, yeah, I think you're a bit bigger than us, but I know from like, from where I am to the other side of the country um, is five hours on a plane. Um, yeah. Sort of five and a half. I think. I think. Sort of from one side of, of America to the other is six, six and a half, something yeah. like that. Um, so yeah, not not an easy trip by any means, and and especially if you're driving. And I don't know what your well, you call it gas over there. We call it petrol mm -hmm. here. But our price, the prices here for for petrol or gas are, are ridiculous at the moment. So it's almost cheaper to fly than drive. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, if you have a really fuel efficient car, like if you're driving a, driving a Prius or something, it's not that yeah. big of a deal. But I don't. I drive like an SUV. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, part of, part of the thing in America, there's just like so much to see. The entire country, for the most part, is pretty packed in. People live everywhere. Yeah. Um, like I want to see more of America because there really is so much to see. It's just it would take me my whole life <laughs> to yeah. see like every state. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of states. We only have seven, so it's a lot easier to see all the states here. Um, so, look, I mean, that's sort of everything that I wanted to cover. But I just thought I'd touch on something which is a bit, well, sort of fantasy related. But the whole Jarmorant thing. I mean, I'm not going to go into whether no one agrees with it and what he and and Josh Lloyd hinted at this on his show yesterday. Like to us here, anything to do with a gun is just hard to comprehend because that doesn't happen here. You just can't have a gun. So we never right. see them. I've never, much like Josh, I've never touched a gun. I've never seen one in real life. Um, so anything to do with that, that gun culture is really foreign to me. Um, but I know that's not the case over there, whether, I mean, a lot of people don't agree with that and some people do agree, but in terms of what he's done here and, and he's, possible the, the consequences for next season are you i mean it's hard to know what the nba nba is going to do but i think we're going to see a suspension what are you thinking for the punishment in terms of games yeah i just i talked with nick about this with nick on the podcast uh today actually and nick put an over under on 20 and a half games you will okay. expect because the first time he got suspended he got suspended for eight games yeah. And um, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's double, triple. I mean, we've seen it just a lot of this depends on like what they find in the investigation. You know, mm -hmm. you mentioned the sort of gun culture 
in America. Um, I I don't know where he was in that video. Like if he was at his own house, that's very different than being out like at a club with a gun. Like yeah. it should it matter a lot, not necessarily. Um, but I I think a lot of it again, it's it's the investigation. Is it his gun? If it's not his gun, where did he get it from? Like all this kind of stuff. So. I wouldn't be surprised if, if again, I think Nick was relatively spot on 20, 25 games um, yeah. because the NBA, again, they've done a really it's it's loosened up a little bit like they stern cracked down or like yeah. during the, a lot of the Iverson era stuff made everyone wear suits. They've loosened up a lot, but they're still very um, they're going to be pretty conservative, mm. so to speak, about this kind of stuff. Yeah, I think. um yeah, I think that 20, I, I was sort of thinking, yeah, 25 to 30, which, um, and then, I mean, how that translates to fantasy, that's obviously going to impact his ADP and where you take him. So where does he go in drafts next season? I, I think it's, I don't know, outside the top 50? Probably. I mean, I'm someone who also thinks that Morant usually gets overdrafted in the first place. Like, I think he well, gets yeah, drafted too soon usually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, in general, yeah, 50, 60, wouldn't be surprising me. Uh, wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, I wouldn't take him there just because I think I I'd take Morant like in the 30s or the 40s in the first place. Yeah. I don't take him in the 20s like a lot of people do. So I never get Morant. Uh, but yeah, 60, 70. Because I mean, again, I mean, we've seen some guys like Jaron Jackson. We thought he was going to miss 20 games to start the season. He missed, I think, 15 or 20 or whatever it was. And he, yep. he ended up being great. If you drafted him pick 100, like a lot of people did, it was like, this is a miracle. Like he's winning my league for me. So some people are going to take that mentality. and um, But I think he might not qualify for IR because of the suspension, and that's that creates issues as well. It does, yeah. Yeah, and it's always hit or miss with those guys. Like Kawhi last season, we saw that. Uh, I think, was it was it Nick? Nick, one of you had, had him on your team in Stake League. And yes. Was it Nick? Nick had him and Dame Lillard. For yes. Example. Yeah. So I know he was he was pretty sour on Kawhi there for the first whatever it was two yeah. months, but he ended up being awesome. Um, but yeah, I guess it's when do you need him? Do you need him in the first two months? So with Jar, it's going to be the same. If you can if you can draft him and just sort of hope that you draft well enough that you can cover for him, um, then maybe he goes a bit higher. But yeah, much like you, he he usually goes higher than than I'm willing to take him anyway. So right. Um, cool. So look, I'm going to let you go. We're going to get ready and go and watch the lottery. Um, yep. I'm going to make my morning coffee. It's what, seven, seven thirty over there for you. Is that right? Six 30. I'm in central. Time oh, six 30. Okay. It, so you're yeah, central. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, time for dinner or something, I, I would assume. <laughs> um, so as you've said, you've already alluded to it. This is sort of a bit of a downtime for, for most fantasy or NBA writers, at least, <clears throat> at least in a couple of weeks, once we're done and dusted, um, what what are the plans? I guess from you and from RotoWire leading into well next season and over the next couple of months. I mean, we still do a lot of work. Like just recently, the NBA they um, they want us to provide like draft profiles for a lot of these prospects. So I'm writing those right now. After that, the draft's going to happen, and then summer league happens, and then we're going to be writing summer league stuff, and we're then we're basically back to like writing all the yeah. time again. So it's really, I mean, that's that's kind of what I'm up to right now, and the ramp up process is always the same in terms of we do the 
you know, after the after the draft and after free agency, we write outlooks and we do the projections and our rankings and the articles, and then we're right back to it. Yeah, the the uh, the off season tends to get shorter and shorter every year, I think, yes. and, and where people are starting to want draft content earlier and earlier. So, which which is good, but it does mean that there's no not as much downtime and not as much time to travel, that sort of thing. So, um, so thanks for coming on um, today. I'm sure we'll we'll chat again at some point. Uh, that will do it for today's show. Remember, you can check out all of our content at fbibasketball.com. Uh, Matt Lawson's got all of his dynasty stuff. There's a, a whole range of that at the moment. Um, WNBA fantasy is kicking off. He's done some ranks there. Uh, so if you do want to, if you are desperate for fantasy and, and you want to have a go at WNBA, um, hit him up. I know we're running a few leagues at FBI. Uh, you can follow us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a thumbs up. Until next time, catch up. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.